She's not dead and look at us go Watching pitch perfect Twilight is torn, man, weekend is gone Watching her love rules that went by that you don't know And I can't drink her This is her time, away we go another episode of kicking it with Kendrick uh this is the well I guess this is a special episode because this is titled the Jennifer Aniston episode uh that's because the movie we're going to talk about today Anna Kendrick is in it but this is another one where it looks like I didn't do as much research going in as I potentially could have and it turns out that she's not in it for very long but this movie is notable because it's probably the most acclaimed performance from Jennifer Aniston. So uh, I just decided to try and theme this movie around uh, this episode around Jennifer Aniston. Pierre, yeah. you ever seen Friends? Um, I saw season one, I believe. Was it um, any good? I haven't watched it. I didn't continue watching, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll let that speak for itself. Like, it's all right. I, I just, it doesn't really... Doesn't tickle my funny bone at all. What I'm getting here is that we're both big Jennifer Aniston fans. Yes, exactly. That's a, that's exactly what I was hoping you'd get out of that, Jeff. <laughs> Actually, I am a little curious. Before we go into, uh, I did I prepared. We we have a whole document. We have a lot prepared today. We're not completely winging it, but I am curious. Just like what what do you know about Jennifer Aniston? Where do you know her from? What are your impressions? Have you, can you even think of movies she's in? Because I know she's been in a lot. I just actually can't think of very many. Yeah. Well, she's she's very much like a... Mm, I don't see her as much of an actress, if that makes sense. Like, I, I feel like I don't see her act. They like, actually act that much. Um, mm. She has like a, a... Like she plays kind of a very similar character every time. If I watch like a movie like... I remember I remember one of her... The most, the most vivid roles actually was the Adam Sandler one, Just Go With It. I yeah. remember watching that when I was younger. And that felt like one of her bigger comedy roles, even though the movie wasn't good at all. <laughs> and then I, I remember she was in Office Space. Um, I really was loved she? that movie. Yeah, it's a really good oh, movie. Wow. I don't necessarily think she brought anything good to the role. I was kind of surprised she was in it, honestly. like It's such an odd movie. And especially at the time, she was like in the middle of her friend's fame. So she was definitely wasn't hurting for roles. So I'm surprised she took like a relatively risky role, I guess, or a risky movie. The role itself was pretty safe. One of these days, we're gonna have to just review Office Space because, like, through the series, kicking it with Kendrick, we've actually talked about so many movies that feature people from Office Space. Like uh, today, we're talking about a movie with Jennifer Aniston with Mike and Dave need wedding dates. We talked about a movie that had Stephen Root, I think, is his name, who is the like weird guy in the office in Office Space. Yeah, 
Ron Livingston was in Drinking Buddies, which if you're listening to this the day it came out, we talked about last week. And he's the main character in Office Space. So like we've by the end of this, we're going to somehow have talked about everyone who's in Office Space. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a it's a pretty I, I feel like it was a pretty decent uh, like I, I Mike Judge is a who directed it as a good recruiter of talent, I believe. Because um, he yeah, also did so. Silicon Valley, which I, a lot of the stars from that went on to do relatively bigger things, I'd say. Kumail Nanjani. Who's the TJ Miller? TJ Miller, almost. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not doing anything right now, but he yeah, had a moment. He did. It was a really big moment, too. Like I feel like he was for sure. in a lot of stuff for a while. For, for he was at least definitely for a year. on the way up. <laughs> but yeah, that... That's kind of unfortunate. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, it doesn't surprise me that we see a lot of the talent still around, kind of. Yeah. But, yeah, other than that, like, Jennifer Aniston, I know she's in a lot of stuff. I just don't really care. She's not not really an actress I, I, I would watch a movie for. And, in fact, honestly, if she's in a movie, I feel like I'm much more likely to avoid it because <laughs> I know what kind of character we're going to get. It's a little weird. I wouldn't say that I dislike her at all, but like I can't think of very many movies that she's been in that I've seen, not because I haven't seen them, just because like they sort of just wash past me. Like she's in that Adam Sandler movie, obviously, but she's in a lot of movies that are just sort of like just come and go kind of. Personally, I think of her a lot more as a TV actress, whether or not that's actually what she is. I mean, she's in two very high profile shows, Friends a long time ago, and now the morning show on Apple TV, which I haven't seen, but I hear she's very good in it. Yeah, I feel like TV just seems kind of more her domain. I, I think it's unfortunate that there's that there is that really weird divide between TV actors and movie actors. Mm-hmm. And ironically, like Jennifer Aniston is one of the, I think she's one of the the best examples for someone breaking into movies from TV. Um, and, and, care, and carrying a career but then also like still like her I wouldn't say she truly ever broke through it that barrier if that makes sense she's really tried she's been in quite a few things and like she's gotten she's done well but she hasn't like I don't know if she's like doesn't have a good enough agent or if she's just not oh, she, being cast in roles or what's going on but. she's in Where the Millers I forgot about that Oh yeah. yeah, she was like she was good in one that. Of the main people. I like that. Yeah. And uh, horrible bosses, I forgot about that too. She There's was good in that pretty one. Pretty funny in that too, actually. But those are also examples of like what I'm saying, kind of like nothing movies. It's not that I mean those are really good movies, but when I go back and I think of classic comedies, I very rarely think of horrible bosses. Like it's there, I really liked it. Yeah, but like it's one I forget about all the time. Yeah, that's fair. Do you know any actors that? That went from TV to movies? On? I'm trying to think of some. Um, I mean, Charlie Day is kind of doing the same kind of thing as Jennifer oh. Aniston, I think, because he's definitely best known for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but he's had quite a few, like, pretty notable movie roles. Though I wouldn't say... I don't think he's ever been the lead in anything that I, I can think I feel like of he had a big. chance. He was close, but he still didn't make it. Mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, I remember... I think he was kind of big for, like, a couple of years there there was well yeah we had pacific rim and horrible bosses um and the lego movie all kind of in the similar like timeline and i feel like a lot of people knew him but ever since then i, like, I don't really see anything here that 
that sticks out. To Charlie me Day was actually just recently in a movie called I Want You Back on Amazon Prime, which is a very, very fun little romantic comedy. Mm. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, it's it's a romantic comedy that released straight to streaming. So I don't think that's one that's going to like put Charlie Day on the map any more than he is already is or isn't. Yeah. But like, so that was a pretty good one. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but otherwise, I'm not really sure because when I think of there are definitely actors who started out in TV and then became big movie stars, but there's very few actors I can think of who like I know them as much for TV as later in their career for movies. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, like Leonardo DiCaprio started in TV and I know him as a big movie star, but I have never thought of him as a TV star. No, well, yeah, because it's like, if, if you get famous from TV, this is a lot different. Mm-hmm. It is a little different now, too, like, because we see a lot more movie actors taking TV roles, too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these aren't even small the... movie actors, like, 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 it, Tom it, Hiddleston. Yeah, exactly. Like, stuff like that, right? Where like, actors are in some ways see- seeking TV roles, uh, which is like, mm-hmm. kind of unheard of. But then it, it's also unfortunate for the tv actors because now they're competing not just with each other but with movie actors coming in being like oh yeah i I like tv too now it's like it's cool so yeah kind of they got their competition uh, set out for them well i did want to actually talk about an awards show that recognizes both tv actors and movie actors because we've actually only talked about one of those so far but i figured now would be a good time to sort of fill out some information on the awards shows we haven't talked about yet. So we've talked a little bit on our other show about the Golden Globes. And today we're talking about a movie that actually got Jennifer Aniston one of her like six Golden Globe nominations. I don't think she's ever won. No, she's won once, but she's been nominated like six or seven times. It's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. I figured I would talk a little bit about the Golden Globes. But first, Pierre, what do you think about the Golden Globes just in general? You know, they're all right. <laughs> I, I thought, I've always thought they were kind of, I, I kind of like them because they didn't take themselves seriously. But the whole, like, best comedies, like, like I, I kind of like how they separate the, the comedies and the dramas mm-hmm. in some ways. Because I, I think that, like, it adds a little, it makes it different, like, from the Oscars, first of all. And it adds a little more, I don't know, just, like, opportunities for, like, it's it's nice that, I, I feel like a dramatic movie is always going to win Best Picture, right? So it gives, like, maybe more lighthearted movies or movies that take themselves less seriously a little more space to kind of nudge in there and get some recognition. Even though it seems like a lot of dramas end up being pushed into the comedy category just because they have a more lighthearted tone. And then they take yeah. that category anyways. I think a famous one I remember was The Martian that was yeah nominated for best comedy slash musical and it's like it's a light-hearted movie but i would necessarily say it's a comedy in any way like it doesn't feel like it's yeah. trying to make me laugh so it's a little embarrassing when that happens it definitely includes some funny people but that's about where it ends yeah like literally <laughs> so yeah i think that's unfortunate well, that that happens Yeah, well, just to give a little bit of context, because I I wrote up a little thing. Uh, The Golden Globes are awarded every year by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. So if you didn't know that, that's who awards the Golden Globes. 
They are a nonprofit organization of journalists and photographers who report on the entertainment industry in the United States for publications primarily outside the United States. So they're like Hollywood fans from, you know, Syria and Germany and Japan, basically. Uh, well, a lot of different countries, obviously. There's 105 members from approximately 55 countries. The Golden Globes have been awarded officially since 1945. But like sort of since 1944, there is an informal ceremony. And what I think is kind of interesting, and this is like, this sort of goes into exactly the things you just talked about. They separate themselves from the Oscars by, they've actually done a lot more changing up their awards than the Oscars have. Because like, they had a newcomer award from 1948 until 1983. They had a world film favorite from 1951 until 1980. They originally started with just a best picture, but then they divided that into drama and musical or comedies in, in 1951. Probably since about 1980, they haven't changed up the awards too much, aside from uh, introducing best animated feature in like 2006. But they actually, before that, changed up their awards a lot more than the Oscars did, which I think is, um, it, it's, it's good because I think like one of the problems the Oscars definitely has is that it's got these awards that have been exactly the same for 70 years. And, you know, there's a lot of, not necessarily controversy, but like some of those awards are a little outdated and could use with some updating. It's just, you know, no one wants to change the formula that works and I get it, but I really respect that the Golden Globes just like try new things every now and then. And, you know, mostly then because not recently, but yeah, they are unique. Do I necessarily respect any decisions they usually make? Not really. Like, they're not respect. I think it's more like if an actor is like a Golden Globe nominated or winning actor or actress, I'm not like, wow, that's crazy. It's more like, eh, okay, that's, that's all right. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and the biggest issue with the Golden Globes, too, is you'll notice that there's only 105 members. They enjoy a lot of benefits just for being part of the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's sort of an open secret that those benefits just come from people trying to buy a Golden Globe. <laughs> and if you're a big studio, it's not too hard to please 105 people. So, like... That's the biggest controversy with the Golden Globes is you can just straight up buy that award. Like the award may not actually mean anything. And especially in recent years, the Golden Globes have been like constantly ridiculed for corruption and like just being a bad award ceremony. So as much as I respect like, you know, the Golden Globes on paper, they're actually like a huge joke. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really necessarily look forward to them at all in any way. So, but I mean, that's just I mean, well, that's I, just me with awards in general at this point. I think I'm getting to that point. Yeah, like, for I'm, sure. I'm too much of a cynic now, Jeff. This is what's happened to me. It's because I keep making you watch movies like Licorice Pizza and Belfast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that's part part of it. I don't know. Maybe if there were a lot more good movies every year, at least recently, I would like it more. But. I feel like it's really taken a turn for sure but yeah i guess the razzies would be much more interesting to watch now well if the razzies ever get a televised ceremony the razzies i believe tried to televise last year but i don't know what happened with that because like i remember reading last year this is going to be the first year that the razzies are ever televised and then 
they just weren't and no one said anything ever yeah maybe that was like a one of those like things to hype it up and then they're just like oh wait wait a sec we actually can't do this at all so they're just like hope everyone forgot about it rather than be like we can't do this but uh speaking of the razzies the razzies were founded uh by john jb wilson who i don't think he's part of the hollywood foreign press association but like he definitely could be if he well i guess he lives in the states so like he probably couldn't be but anyway he's a journalist who reports on hollywood and he would always have like potluck parties at his house uh, on the night of the oscars and in 1981 he saw a double feature of uh can't stop the music and xanadu i think and they were so bad that when he got home he like printed up little ballots for people to vote for what they would vote for worst picture of the year and started doing his own little awards show at his potluck parties. He made that a yearly thing. And after four years, it was starting to get reported on. And now, like, you know, the Razzies is usually a thing that most people know of. Or not most people, but like a lot of people in the film industry are at least aware of. And they like to award the worst movies of the year. Pierre, what do you think in general of the Razzies? Um, I think it's kind of a cute little thing i feel like they don't take themselves too seriously so i don't mind it like they're not like this is like this is this is the worst thing ever i i feel like actually to be fair i've never really watched it but the vibe i get from it is they're not trying to say like oh this is like outright like they're not laughing at them if that makes oh no they're definitely laughing at actors but they're definitely laughing at yeah okay but (laughs) i don't know It, it doesn't feel like very pretentious if that makes sense um, like, just look at the know. name. Um, You think so? I mean, I think... I'm not really sure what I think, because, like, I don't know about pretentious so much, but the Razzies has a big problem with, like, picking extremely easy targets. Like, sometimes, like, this year, most of their picks are at least pretty funny. Uh, I think they missed the mark in a couple of ways. Like, they nominated Ben Affleck for The Last Duel, even though he was, like, the best part of that movie. I don't know if you've seen it yet. They nominated Jared Leto for House of Gucci, which, like, he's hilariously bad, but, I mean, he was actually, like, somehow critically lauded, so it was weird. But, like, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll nominate, like, Worst Picture goes to some, you know, far-right pundits documentary or something, which may or may not actually win. But, like, if you're picking a political documentary by like someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, like no one's seen that. And you're literally just picking it because it's a high profile dude. Like last year, I think worst picture went to a movie called absolute proof, which was made by the, my pillow guy, which like no one saw that and no one cares. Like, what does it mean <laughs> if that gets worst picture? Do you think that Mike Lindell is going to care? No, of course not. What's the point? Well, in the end, they they just want attention too, right? So that that's exactly it. Is I think like I wouldn't say pretentious, but they do a lot of things that are very clearly just like, "Hey, look at me, look at me, please." And it's it's kind of annoying most a lot of the time. Yeah, I find. but I I mean like I guess it's kind of like an interesting thing. To, I, I I'm happy they exist. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though like I guess they they could improve in some ways. I I don't wish them to be gone. I I don't think they. Like, you can easily ignore them, and if you choose to follow them, it could be interesting. Whereas the Oscars, I feel like, try to throw themselves in everyone's faces. It's hard to avoid, if that makes sense in some ways. Like, Yeah. 
I do think that um, both the Golden Globes and the Golden Raspberries and like also the Oscars and stuff kind of do what awards shows do best, which is, and, and this is actually the one thing that I do like about splitting up drama and musical and comedy. I'll, I'm sort of all over the place, but like they highlight a lot of movies that don't end up being at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if I see this movie won a Golden Globe, it doesn't mean anything but I'm more likely to like hear about that movie. And then maybe that's a movie that I watch and it turns out to be good. And like, I wouldn't have heard about it without the golden globes and similar with the Raz with the Razzies, except, you know, usually it's not that movie turns out to be good, but sometimes there's like hilarious memes that I find from movies that, you know, wouldn't be nominated anywhere else. I would never hear about them, but then they're nominated at the Razzies. So like, you know, all of a sudden, all right, well, how bad is it? I think they nominated eight Bruce Willis movies in this year for their own category. <laughs> Worst performance by Bruce Willis in 2021. Yeah. That is kind of funny. So like, I like that. <laughs> that is really funny. That's my favorite award this year. I haven't seen any of the movies yet, but I'm going to try before the Razzies go. Yeah, fair enough. You good luck. I wish you luck on that quest. Jeez. I think most of them are on Netflix, but like all <laughs> of them look really bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Bruce Willis cares. No, no. I mean, his best performance in the last like several years is the Lego Movie Two, and it's literally just him being like, "I oh, don't yeah. care about being in this movie." <laughs> Respect. <laughs> At least he's honest. With both of those, I thought I would just like point out where our uh, how many times our leading ladies have been. Uh, nominated for each and specifically Jennifer Aniston has been nominated in five separate years. I didn't actually pick down the, write down the number of nominations, but she was nominated in five separate years for the golden globes, mostly for TV because she was nominated for friends in 2002 and 2003. Uh, She won best actress in 2003 at the golden globes for friends. And then she was nominated for the morning show in 2020 and 2022 but she was only nominated once for a movie, and that was Cake in 2015, which we're going to talk about here soon. Also interesting to note, Anna Kendrick has unfortunately only been nominated once, and that was for Up in the Air. But can you guess who she lost to? Anna Kendrick. I mean, Jennifer no. Aniston. <laughs> uh, not in 2010. No, she lost to Monique for Precious, which is the same person she lost the Oscar to. Oh, jeez. I think I think Vera Farmiga was actually also nominated for Up in the Air. Oh, geez. (laughs) So like that was unfortunately a big year for Up in the Air losing awards. And since I don't think anyone who was nominated for Up in the Air has been nominated since. Not that it can't happen Um, again, but like Jason Reitman certainly hasn't. uh, I feel like George Clooney has maybe not as an actor, though. Oh, yeah. George Clooney definitely has as a producer. Yeah, for the Descendants, right? Or something? Yeah. Uh, Maybe as an actor, too, but I don't know about that. I can't think of any he's acted in since. I'm not a big George Clooney follower. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) But what's interesting, for the Golden Raspberries, Jennifer Aniston has been nominated six times. Uh, She got Worst Newcomer in 1997, or she didn't actually get it. She's actually never won a Razzie Award. Oh, poor Jennifer. But she did, uh, she was nominated in 1997 for She's the One. 
2011 for The Bounty Hunter and The Switch, where she was nominated for in both for Worst Actress, but in The Bounty Hunter, she was nominated for Worst On-Screen Couple with oh, Gerard God. Butler. Uh, 2012, she was nominated once again for Worst On-Screen Couple with Adam Sandler. And in, 20, in 2015, she was nominated for the Razzie Redeemer Award, which is an award that they like to do where, like, it always goes to someone who um, was nominated for or won a Razzie in the past and then, like, did something that got them actual critical acclaim or something. The last time that was awarded was in 2020, where it went to Eddie Murphy, who got the Razzie for Worst Actor of the Decade or something. No, yeah. Worst Actor of the... Yeah, Worst Actor of the Decade, I think. Jeez. But then was nominated for the Razzie Redeemer for Dolomite Is My Name, which... Uh, have you seen that movie? I haven't. I heard it's so good, though. It's pretty good. Or at least he's really good it. it's got really a lot of really it. funny people. Yeah, but when she was nominated, Jennifer Aniston did not win the Razzie Redeemer Award either. So Damn. she's actually never gotten a Razzie at all. Damn. Jennifer Aniston, the goat. Well, the actual greatest of all time has to be Anna Kendrick because she's never been nominated, which means she's never been in a movie considered the worst by the Razzies. That's almost like worse, I think. because <laughs> like, It might be because the Razzies like... They go for easy targets, so that means she's never been in a high-profile The Worst movie. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's all Because, let's be real, she's not. she has a lot of bad movies, I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They're just not big enough to even make fun of. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, that might, yeah, that might be worse. <laughs> I'm sure she'll get one soon. Well, she keeps, if mean, she keeps going this way. We'll, we'll see. I, I think she's, like, more on the up, but... I guess we'll have to see what her next uh, next movie turns out to be. I think it's called About Anna or something. It hasn't come out yet. Mm. Oh, no. About Alice, I think, is what it's called. Comes out this year sometime. Fascinating. Anyway, we're about to talk about a movie that features both of those ladies, Jennifer Aniston and Anna Kendrick. So, uh, Pierre, closing thoughts on the Razzies and the Golden Globes. Their awards, they don't really matter. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think they pretty much only matter in that they put eyes on movies. And, like, I think for that, that's kind of cool sometimes. But then beyond that, you know, I actually don't have a very high opinion of the Razzies. And I think that the Golden Globes are a joke, typically. So, yeah, not not too much praise all around for for these. When I, uh, when I think of award ceremonies that... I like to think mean something. I mm. definitely think the indie spirits is like more up there. And then I follow the Oscars because I guess I hate myself, but you know, those, those mean something sometimes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like just because of the effects it can have on the industry and people's careers in general, it's like kind of nice to keep up to date in some ways. Um, yeah. That's definitely the main draw or yeah. at least like the main perk of awards. Yeah. Cause well, it's, just like, it's, it's just nice to be caught up with what's going on and who's on the rise and stuff like that. Yeah, actually, like, that's kind of, this is a bit of a tangent. But this year, I saw a lot of people get really upset that Spider-Man wasn't nominated for Best Picture. And, like, sure, I think it would be cool if it was. I was also rooting for Spider-Man to be nominated for, but probably not win, Best Picture at the at the Academy Awards. At the same time, like, Everyone on Earth has seen Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't also need an Oscar to get eyes on it. 
Like it, it would be neat if Spider-Man could be nominated for best picture, but it doesn't matter because yeah. the main reason that like awards matter are because of the effect they can have on people's careers and like by getting butts in seats to watch these movies. But like something like drive my car needs that attention an awful lot more than something like Spider-Man, the biggest movie in the world. Yeah. It's a little, a little different, a little different context. Well, anyway, we've talked about Spider-Man already. So instead let's talk about a different movie here in just a minute. I made a list, and then I checked on the internet to see if they were different in Mexico. This is a lot. Try to sedate the small city. I think you have big problems. Receptivo. How's it going? I'm doing really well. I want you to verbalize to Nina how her suicide affected you. She jumped off the freeway overpass, landed on a flatbed truck heading to Mexico. Her body got stuck in customs for like a week before Nina's husband could even claim it. Way to go, Nina. Spread your legs a little bit wider. Should we go on a date first? Haha. Uh, listen, you think I could come by and pick up the rest of my stuff? I think it's prudent if we don't see each other. Nice night, huh? I came here for Nina's address. I can't give you that information. I actually brought you a really nice bottle of vodka. What kind? For Nina's husband. I'm not a stalker. I mean, not in the traditional sense. You know, you just could have said you wanted to come over. Yeah, but what's the fun in that? Oh, hey. What are you doing? He doesn't even like you. I know about your accident. I can't save you. I can barely save myself and my kid. I'm not asking you to. Is He's a man of sight. Get off my property. If I can switch places, I would. I wanted to tell you that. Make a wish. Can't think of anything. Doesn't matter. Just blow them out. Do you want to get better? Really? Say it, Claire. I do. And we're back. Part two of the episode where we are talking about the movie Jennifer Aniston is in, as well as a little bit of Anna Kendrick. What's this movie called, Joe? So this movie is called Cake. I knew very little about this movie before I watched it. I think I messaged you like a couple of days ago and you're like, what the hell is cake? So I'm going to guess you were pretty much going into it extremely blind as well. Yeah, basically. So to summarize this movie, Cake stars Jennifer Aniston as Claire Bennett, a former Los Angeles defense attorney with chronic pain following a car accident. Uh, After one of the women in her chronic pain support group named Nina commits suicide, 
she becomes obsessed with finding out why and begins to develop a relationship with Nina's husband. Together with Nina's husband, she wrestles with her feelings after losing Nina and her own will to live. Uh, this film is largely about different forms of grief and like how tragedies affect people in unexpected ways. Because in this movie, the main incident is a woman commits suicide, but that woman is like, really has very little to do with Jennifer Aniston's character at all at first. So I think it was, uh, that's like one of the themes that it explores there. Did I miss anything important? I guess it's important to say that she also lost her own child, right? That is important to say. Is that a spoiler though? I mean, I don't know. That's that's what's kind of interesting about this movie is a lot of the stuff, a lot of the context of Jennifer Aniston's character, Claire Bennett's own life is mostly subtext like it's you don't really find out that she lost her own child in this car crash until pretty late in but it's not even revealed outright it's just like i mean it's pretty obvious there's like you see the scenes that make it very clear but like it's never outright stated and claire's own life is mostly just sort of revealed to you through her actions, not through anyone talking about it, which is, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it, it was kind of like, mm, like, okay, I don't know about risky, but like, I don't, I guess this movie is very subtle and it, it was actually like, I, I feel like they could have, they could have done more exposition. Like, I, and a movie that was trying to have an easier time would have added just a lot more ex- exposition, but. It seems like they refused yeah. to do that, which kind of hurt it in some ways, but I respect that a lot. I think it was an interesting choice that ultimately made me, like, ultimately it's kind of the reason I like this movie, but at the same time, I do think that it, so, that like the ways in which this movie was as subtle as it was uh, really hurt the pacing and made it difficult to watch but not for the right reasons like it did kind of make it hard to pay attention sometimes so i really respect what the director was doing there but i don't actually think it worked ultimately yeah well it might have like because honestly it feels like a really long movie Mm -hmm. and because it's kind of like they're trying to capture i think the how jennifer aniston's character feels and she's obviously in a very depressed like Blum, drugged out state for basically the whole movie right so um mm-hmm. it's it's understandable that they would want to film it that way what do i necessarily think that was makes for a good movie uh, it's kind of hard to tell like i think this movie is just like really risky to make honestly mm-hmm. i respect that but it, like because I, I can't also be like oh they should have noticed this or that because honestly I, I don't know how... I still don't really know necessarily how they could have made this movie better, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's one where I don't think by any stretch that it was perfect, but I think that the only things that I can think of that dragged the movie down, if you changed those things, I don't know that it would be for the better. Like, you could add more exposition... And that would make this movie a lot clearer and it would clear up a lot of, you know, the issues that come with this movie being subtle in the ways that it is. But I think that would really lessen a lot of the emotional impact of parts of this movie as well. Yeah, like a lot of the movie just kind of follows, like you're really frustrated with her character in some ways. Like 
because she you're just like mm. i want her to do something you know she's very yeah very bored I, I feel like she makes a lot of stupid decisions in the movie but that's the point it's like she's in a really bad state she's not going to make the right decisions she's pushing the people she cares about away and stuff it's it's a lot yeah Oh, I was just going to say, she's also just not a pleasant person. Like, she's frustrating to watch because of how, like, annoying she is. And, like, Jennifer Aniston actually plays that character really well, but I don't really love the way that that character is written. Yeah, but, like, it was almost kind of necessary, too, because... Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like anyone, like, anyone realistically in that state, like, you know, like, there, because she, what, she was constantly in pain. Like, her back hurt. Mm -hmm. She lost her kid. She was not in a great spot with her husband right now. Because I, I don't think they're divorced, right? Uh, it didn't sound like they were divorced. But they're, she's pushing they him away. They were separated. Yeah, they're definitely in a weird spot. So stuff like that. And it's just like, because you're just, you're just like, why? Why is she doing this? But, like, yeah. Like, I, I don't see how anyone in that state could be likable, honestly. But, again, like, that that's the thing, too, is, like, does that make for a good movie? Maybe not. Because I, ideally, I would like to like and relate to the main character. Um, and mm. this movie kind of dares you to not, even though you should. Yeah. So I want to come back to talking about the acting here in a couple of minutes. But I want to really address the elephant in the room first, which is this movie opens with... Characters discussing the death of Anna Kendrick's character. So, like, literally, that's the first thing that happens. I wa I started watching this movie. I got three minutes in, and I went, oh, no. Oh, no. How are we going to talk about a movie that Anna Kendrick is only in as a photo? Which she thankfully <laughs> isn't. But this is one of... We, we've talked now about at least five different movies where Anna Kendrick is basically in there as a glorified cameo. And I kind of wanted to talk about just Anna Kendrick being in movies as a glorified cameo, because like generally if we're talking about a movie that Anna Kendrick's in and we have, you know, five minutes of scenes to work with, like it's hard to talk about her performance in those. And, you know, we've had trouble talking about those performances in the past, but I want to talk about like how she works as a cameo in this movie and just in general. So, um, how did you think she worked as a cameo in this movie? Like, I thought the cameo scenes were kind of interesting. And I think it's cool that mm -hmm. they took, like, a... I think having a more well-known uh, actress in a in a role that... Because her, her presence is supposed to be felt throughout the movie, right? Because that's what, mm -hmm. you know, it's, like, what the main character is mostly grieving over. Um, amongst other yeah. things, obviously. But it's, like, what mainly has affected her. And... So I, I like that part. I And I like the scenes. I think they were kind of creative. Mm -hmm. Whether I feel like Anna Kendrick was the best person to choose for this, I don't really think so. I don't see Anna Kendrick as this, like, haunting, like, being, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. it, it felt like she was an antagonist in a way of her character was basically taunting and uh, making Jennifer Aniston's character feel bad, right? But I, Anna Kendrick is such an innocent, like, she, she, like, we've talked about before, she's just, like, she's such a regular person, right? I don't, I didn't find her presence really that off-putting. Yeah. Because I, I thought, when I see her, I'm like, oh, it's someone friendly. And I, it might have worked better if 
it, like I can see like maybe they were going for the contrast thing where it's like oh we feel safe with Anna Kendrick but then also she is saying these terrible things so it's like oh we feel more disturbed by it but to me I just I didn't think she she really got to that level and the scenes didn't add too much to me for that because of that especially because I this sounds weird I can't see Jennifer Aniston and Anna Kendrick having chemistry in a scene together like mm-hmm. properly like I couldn't imagine them really be being friends in the support group before all this happened well they almost certainly weren't like the the impression that I got was that they didn't even know each other like they had maybe talked in so far as you're gonna talk to anybody who's in a group that you are also in mm-hmm. but like not not more than that at least that's the impression I got because like at no point did did they even imply that they had ever been friends she didn't know Anna Kendrick's characters, I guess Nina. She didn't know Nina's husband before. She, like, didn't know anything that was going on in her life. Yeah, I definitely didn't get the impression that they would have had chemistry together before that. Yeah, and that's also... Well, okay, so yeah, maybe that's on purpose, but then it's also, like, then I still don't really see the the point of it. Like, why... I, I guess it, it it kind of solidifies the fact that Jennifer Aniston's character is in a really bad state, but I'm also like, eh, like I don't really care if I don't see them ever being like caring about each other in the first place. Um, it's too it's too in the air. Yeah, I think like for me, that's part of the interesting part about that, and that's why I really that's part of the reason I really like this cameo actually is because. You know, as you said, you'd never get the impression that Nina and Claire actually know each other. But at the same time, Nina's death has clearly really affected Claire in like a weird way because Claire is like obsessed over it. And um, it's it's not like she's sad her friend died. She just like doesn't understand, you know, how this woman who I guess she thought had a perfect life or something, she just doesn't get it. And I think that's really that's really interesting because to me, like, you know, I've I've been in an environment where you lose people and like not necessarily, thankfully, no one that I've ever been like super close with. But, you know, I have lost people like that who, um, again, I wasn't super close with, but you don't think that they're going to die. And then they all of a sudden do. And stuff like that, even if they're basically strangers, can really affect you in unexpected ways and i Mm. thought that like i've never seen that portrayed quite like that in a movie because you know jennifer aniston is constantly dealing with she's trying to like process these emotions after nina's death which like she doesn't even know what they are because she has no reason to care for nina or at all but somehow this death has really affected her and I thought that, like, I've just never seen that in a movie before. And so that was really, I thought that was, like, a really interesting thing to try and do in a movie. And I think that, like, you know, considering, again, I'd never seen it before, it worked as well as it needed to in any case. Yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. It's a movie that kind of, I guess, lets you fill in the blanks in a lot of ways and kind of expects you to understand certain things i guess yeah like about the character in advance because i see like something like that that's not something i would have thought of honestly like i would be mm. like i was like why why would she care so much but when you say like that and i'm like okay that makes like i can kind of see what they were going for 
even though yeah. I, I still don't really think it, it works in the context of a movie. So, like, this is a movie that doesn't hold your hand. But more than that, it's kind of like a movie that drops you into a forest. And, like, if you make your way out of the forest, great. But it's also just so easy to get lost in this movie and not in a good way. Because, like, I feel like this, I mean, to just come back to it, it's a movie that is too subtle in a lot of what it's trying to do. So a lot of the themes just aren't communicated very well. More so than, like, you know, you get it if you get it or you get it if you're paying attention. It's really more of a, like, no, this isn't extremely meaningful for the person who's writing the screenplay, but they didn't actually go out of their way to communicate that to the audience. Yeah. I, th- I think if they were doing something like that, it definitely should have been a shorter movie. Mm-hmm. I think maybe because of that, it, it, it feels a little drawn out and because they aren't explaining things and they're not trying to push things forward. And I think that really kind of holds it back in some ways. And there's some like confusing decisions too that I feel like could have been cut too, like, I'm not much of a, this isn't really a spoiler, but like at one point in the movie, someone tries to steal her purse and she's like, I'm going to take you home with me to LA and you're going to bake me a cake or something. Is that what happens? And then she uses that cake to give to this guy, to Anna Kendrick's husband, basically, or her fa- Anna Kendrick's family. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like Just... what was that? That was a weird sequence that took like, like five minutes or something and it doesn't was, mean anything that was weird. and if, yeah i'm sure I there didn't... was a meaning but again it wasn't really explained in any way so i don't really care for it it's a little weird because yeah that part comes out of nowhere and the cake is i find the cake very meaningful but like i don't get why um she picks up this random girl and has her bake a cake like that part is weird the cake itself, I totally get. The stuff leading directly up to it is not, I don't understand. Wait, why is the, yeah, what does the cake mean? So uh, at one point in the support group, they talked about their dream, like assuming they didn't have chronic pain, what would be their dream scenario? What would they want to do more than anything else in the world? And Nina, Anna Kendrick's character, had said she really wanted to bake a cake from scratch for her son's birthday. And so at the very end, like that's where the movie gets its name from. Jennifer Aniston accomplishes Nina's dream for her. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of cute. Even though it was very odd means, I guess. It's the means are the weird part. Maybe the character reminded her of Anna Kendrick. Like, because they were both younger. I mean, like the character knew how to bake. The character that she just picks up out of nowhere. She like asks her to make a cake after finding out that she has like this little home baked tart on her. Oh, and she's like, yeah. I'll bet this girl knows how to bake, but it's just like that whole scene is completely unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. So like little things like that where I'm like, okay, like I don't really care for this part of the movie. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all right. I think Jennifer Aniston though, she put on a really good performance for sure. I was surprised. Yeah. I, it's gonna sound weird, but I, I feel like because she always she's always kind of annoyed me as an actress, I'm gonna be honest. But here, because it was intentional, it kind of works more for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I thought she did a really good job. I'm still really surprised that she was in a movie like this. Well, it's just a weird movie for her to be in. And like 
I always think of Jennifer Aniston as a comedy actress. So like a comedy actress being in a more serious movie isn't necessarily weird in itself. But like when I think of comedy person in serious movie, I think of some very pretentious movies I've seen in the past. Like Zach Galifianakis was in a weird one that's like really pretentious. Ben Stiller was in a movie that I think was called Greenberg. He's actually been in a couple of movies that are like, like a couple of dramatic roles where I just generally don't think he's very good. And like, I've seen so many movies like that where, you know, comedy actor is doing a dramatic role, but the movie is just bad. And (laughs) this wasn't that kind of movie either. Like this movie wasn't perfect by any means, but like, first off, it wasn't bad. It was just like, not as good as it could have been. But also it's like, this movie wasn't, it wasn't full of itself. It wasn't trying to be anything profound. It was an interesting story that the screenwriter had to tell. Yeah. And I appreciate it. It isn't necessarily a good movie. Mm, Like debatable. I think like, I feel like this is the type of movie that'll really hit for someone in a similar spot. Yeah. But yeah, because of the way it's told, it's tough to relate to it, but I don't know. Yeah, I respect the movie a lot. It's not really much more. Yeah, I definitely think that if this is a movie that you can relate to in any way, it's a movie that you would definitely like. Mm -hmm. At least. Yeah. One last question, though, because in Classic Movies Live, at least recently, we've been like... Sam Worthington has come up a lot. And like, not like that much, but at least twice. And he just happened to be in this movie which was crazy. And I wanted to know, like, what did you think of Sam Worthington in this movie? He was actually pretty solid. I thought he showed a surprising amount of warmth. I've never felt Mm -hmm. from a Sam Worthington role before. Um, And some charisma, surprisingly. Um, Again, not something I felt from a Sam Worthington role. And uh, he had a little chemistry with uh, Jennifer Aniston, honestly. Like, Mm -hmm. not too much. Like, because let's let's be honest, it's Sam Worthington. But he kind of surprised me. Him, I like he was he was pretty good. I also I want to give a shout out to the the house the not nanny the what would you call her like she was a caretaker maid, maid slash because she was like driving maid. Jennifer Aniston around she'd buy her stuff and kind of manage the house basically she was really uh, good. Her name is Adriana Barraza. Adriana Barraza. I really liked her character in general and her role. I thought she was really good. Oh, she's actually been nominated for an Academy Award. That doesn't surprise me, honestly. She was really good. Yeah. And she brought a lot of, like... She like she was the likable character that kind of saved the movie in some ways. Yeah, I think without her, this movie really loses a lot. Because Sam Worthington's character is really interesting to me because he's just so emotionally dead inside. But, like, <laughs> I don't say that as a... I don't say that in a mean way. Like, I think that he really did a really good job performing as someone who's, you know, whose wife just died and now he's left with nothing. And like, he's obviously much closer to the situation than uh, Claire is, but like the way that he's dealing with it is again, a way that I haven't seen that seems like super taboo in a movie about a suicide because he is extremely angry. Like, he says just the most vile things about his wife in a couple of scenes, which is really interesting. It's a place I wouldn't have thought a suicide movie would go. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel like this. if any movie was to do it, it's this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, just get all that raw shit out there, basically. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I thought I think stuff like that was really cool because from what I could tell from that experience, it seems like it'd be very confusing, extremely confusing emotionally, and you're probably gonna say a lot of things that you don't mean just because you just don't, you literally can't process like, like how to feel if that makes sense. So yeah, um, yeah, I think stuff like that, like that, that's what makes this movie. Mm-hmm. He was able to sell that well. Well. With that, I normally this is the part where we would uh, rank this against other Anna Kendrick movies, but we'll, and we'll still do that. But because this one is basically a cameo role, and I think we've talked about a roughly five cameo roles, I wanted to first off just like do a quick ranking of Anna Kendrick's cameos, like not necessarily the movies, but her roles in those movies for the movies we've talked about where she's been literally just a cameo. Wait, so what movies are those? So, like, I I think we've talked about five. So, the five that I wrote oh, down were oh, Camp, Life After Beth, Cake, Twilight, which I guess is itself five movies, and then End of Watch. Mm, I would say... Oh, man. Wait, I'm trying to remember a couple of Camp. Which one's Life After... Oh, like, wait. Which one's Life After Beth again? That's the one where Aubrey Plaza is a zombie. Oh, yeah. Okay. So are we ranking it based on movies itself or? Well, uh, not or the cameo. No, because, <laughs> the quality you know, of the cameo. If, if we were ranking it based on movies itself, end of watch. There you go. No, um, I'm interested in like how you felt about those cameos in each of those movies. Because these are the movies where we've talked about them and we've had like nothing to say because there's just nothing to work with. Okay. I'd say this is probably the second no third third best third best yeah behind behind what uh end of watch is definitely the best one or actually end of watch and life after beth are kind of tied in a way um okay they're both really memorable i guess actually well okay in terms of the anna kendrick cameo they're terrible (laughs) yeah that's that's more what i'm interested in yeah damn I'd say Cake is probably the best cameos for sure. I think it's the most, they're the most interesting to me and like the most, mm-hmm. they feel like the most like cameos, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because like, like Twilight, she, it felt more like a role that was just kind of like crapped on basically. Like actually basically. a lot of these, like, yeah, like Twilight and End of Watch are both kind of in similar boats. Whereas like, I feel like Cake was, it was made to be a cameo. So like did its job well. Yeah. Camp was, like, more of an ensemble thing, so I guess I, I'd still put it up there, though, because I feel like she actually had something to do in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Life After... And then and then we do, like... So I'd go, like, Cake, Camp, Life After Beth, uh, End of Watch, Twilight, probably. Yeah, I think, uh, for me, it'd be pretty similar. I'd put Cake and Camp at the top. I think I would put Camp above Cake, but what I really liked about, about Cake... Uh, about her role in Cake is um, it was actually a very different role for her, I thought, because basically she was playing an imaginary friend, uh, like a piece of Jennifer Aniston's mind, which I think she did pretty well, despite... I don't think she and Jennifer Aniston had 
had that good of chemistry. So like, I don't think she matched Jennifer Aniston's energy the way that she can like match George Clooney or match. I'm blanking on names. Oh, Zac Efron in like Mike and Dave, but she did do a pretty good job of playing the same character as Jennifer Aniston, but in a different body and like slightly, she's like the little voice in, in Jennifer Aniston's head. Who's like, you're worthless, but she's a different person who has kind of her own life, except that she doesn't because she's a figment of (laughs) Jennifer Aniston's imagination. But yeah, but she doesn't have a life because she's dead. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I would put cake. I think cake is the most interesting for me of these, but I would put it just behind camp because she's just really good in camp despite having, you know, 10 minutes. And then after that, I would probably put twilight just because the second movie she actually has like an important role even if it is barely there Mm -hmm. so like she gets third on that like twilight gets third based exclusively on the second movie and the fact that life after beth and end of watch are such small roles that like i don't even know what to say about them like end of watch is the best of these movies but anna kendrick's role in it is so barely there that it doesn't really count yeah it's too i i don't know why she picks roles like like some of these honestly like i guess camp she didn't really have a choice end of watch was like that's the same year as uh pitch perfect right so i guess I she wasn't so. like that like she didn't she still wasn't really that big yet but i don't know it would it will always frustrate me how many movies she's in and how few like quality roles she'll actually give herself yeah, I would really prefer, I mean, I, I would really like if Anna Kendrick was more of a Leo or a Daniel Day-Lewis type actor where, you know, she takes on one movie a year, but it's a really good one and she's got a big role. Yeah. But like Leo and Daniel Day-Lewis probably have better opportunities presented to them more often. So like, I don't know how much of that is something we can actually blame on Anna Kendrick or her agent at all. Yeah, maybe they they like they just kind of they like thought about it, but they were like, might as well just like, like, like they never saw her, or she she didn't think she could get to that level, so she was like, I'm gonna not take the risk, and I'm just gonna take what I can, and be kind of more of a hustle actor. But um, it's it is weird because like I feel like she's really well known. Like I I don't know many people that don't know who Anna Kendrick is, or at least like have heard of her, or seen one of her movies, right? Um, yeah she's very famous but like she's not like prestigious at all i also do wonder and like i I could be entirely off base here but like mostly we have talked about movies that she's been in like 2016 and earlier people know who she is now especially because of the pitch perfect movies and she has gotten some starring roles and stuff and like noelle came out and it was definitely sold on her star power so you know, she's a big star now, but maybe 2016 and earlier, just that's where, you know, the best opportunities weren't available to her. And I'm hoping that like, you know, 2022 and beyond, she is getting those bigger opportunities. Although she is like, you know, just as we were talking about earlier, she's in TV now too. So who knows? Yeah, maybe this is, maybe she just had the stoop down of the, the truly Maybe, maybe she's doing a reverse Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, maybe. Or not even a re- not even a reverse Jennifer Aniston because Jennifer Aniston is back in TV now too. 
Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, it's like an Apple TV show, so like I feel like they just pay her a butt ton of money. Like I don't, I, I feel like there's not many actors that wouldn't go to Apple if that makes sense. Like, yeah, that's for that fair. Apple money. So I can't blame her. Like they even got uh, Steve Carell back into TV. Actually, no, he was already back in TV. Well, he's on Netflix. Too. Yeah, he's on Netflix too. Yeah, never mind. Well, I'm actually not 100% sure what our next episode is. I think our next episode after this one is probably Mr. Right, which is a Sam Rockwell movie. Like Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick as the leads. So maybe it'll be Mr. Right next. Very cool. Thank you.